Father in heaven, we thank you for this day that you've given us to come into your house. Father, I thank you for the power and presence of your Holy Spirit. I pray that we make it our prayer to ask you that the words of this song that we just sang to set a fire down in our soul that we would want more of you. Lord, I felt your spirit just wash over this place as we begin to sing and as we sing that chorus. Father, I lift up the things that we pray for on Wednesday nights. Father, I lift up today my voice. And I ask, Father, that as we speak about the anointing and today the anointed, that, Lord, you would hear our cry and pour your spirit out in a mighty way upon this church, not just on Sunday morning, not just once in a while, but all the time. Let us walk in that power and that presence that, that just saturates and permeates our lives, our souls, our beings. It just emanates from us when we are around other people. They're, they're, it, it's, your spirit can be contagious, Father, if we will ask and we will pray the words of this song in our lives. And it will draw people to the cross. It will draw people to church. It will draw family members. It'll draw children. It'll draw spouses to the saving grace and the unlimited mercy that you have for us. Father, just work inside of us today as we are in this place. I ask that you would just bless the message that I have this morning. Father, let us think about these things today, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Remain standing for a second. I want to read you this passage of Scripture, if you don't mind. I do not have notes on the board today because I didn't get done in time. The, um, we're going to be talking about, last week we talked about the anointed, the anointing. Today we're going to talk about the anointed. We're going to be looking in 1 Samuel chapter 16. The uh, first 13 verses, I believe, yes. Starting at verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to, to see Jesse in Bethlehem. I have chosen out of his sons to be king. Uh, excuse me, I have chosen one out of his sons to be king. Yeah, children are dismissed if to go to junior church. I have chosen one out of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you are to do. You are to anoint for me the one that I indicate. 
Samuel did what the Lord said when he arrived at Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Elijah, or Elab, and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider, and this is important today, do not consider the appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadad and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons that you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent, and he had him brought in, and he was a ruddy, he was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, arise, anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. Father, open this word to us, not just that we might read it, but that we might ingest it. Your word is the daily bread that we need each and every day. Father, feed us from your word now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Last week we talked about the anointing. It's something God has had upon my heart. We talked about the differences of the anointings that uh, the, the following in the spirit of um, being, being enveloped in the spirit of, of Christ, being anointed, we talked about, we know that we anoint with oil often at the altar when we're praying, asking for healing. I anoint people all the time when I pray with them. The oil that we talk about, is not, um, it is special. There, there is, God has prescribed the way that we should prepare anointing oil. However, there's no magical powers. Just because you rub oil on yourself doesn't mean that you're going to be healed. It's the faith and the symbolism that, because uh, trust me, if as much grease and oil as I go through eating, then if I would be in perfect health and not so much. So, but we, we believe that the, what, what it symbolizes is the power of the Holy Spirit. Often uh, the oil in the Bible is, is uh, it's very soothing and it represents that the fire represents the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the, the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, so to establish what we're talking about, we're, we're talking about being, and it goes beyond, because when you get saved and, and you confess your sins and you ask Christ to come into your life, then, 
the uh, Spirit of God comes to reside in you. The person who, um, uh, the best way for me to explain the way that I explain the Trinity is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, the Father couldn't, he's, he's omnipotent. And there's really, in truth, there's not supposed to be a pecking order and the Holy Trinity, but in my mind, I kind of see a pecking order, but they do, are, they're all equal in power. But the Father, the great, the Creator, sent the Son. The Son is the sacrifice that uh, gained our um, freedom from the wages of sin through salvation. And when Jesus ex- um, went back to, uh, ascended back to the throne, uh, then he said, often in the Bible, he said, I will send a comforter, a helper, a counselor. He had many names. That, in my mind, is the person, personality or personhood of Christ. Not that, he, the Holy Spirit. So when we pray the prayer of salvation and he, he fills us, we are actually being filled with the person of Jesus Christ in our heart, in our, our mind. So to be the anointing also contrasted last week. I just want to set up last week's review and then set up this week. We also understand that in this world, right now especially, it seems to be, um, I believe it, it's at a, the, uh, I hate when that happens, For, forgot what it's going to say. The Antichrist is the spirit of Antichrist is in this world. And he is the prince of the power of the air, the Bible talks. It's, his, it's the personhood of Lucifer, the devil. Um, in truth, if you're, you're in, if you're still alive and you're on this earth, you're walking in either one or the other. You're either walking in the spirit of Christ being anointed, or you're walking under the influence of uh, the Antichrist. What is the Antichrist? It's, it's the spirit of evil. He's a, anything that exalts itself, or any being, thoughts that bring in exalting itself against Christ and the things of the word, uh, setting themselves up. So we're doing, we're looking at this and uh, we're understanding that um, there is two anointings. We're following, I believe, um, also that the uh, spirit of Antichrist that we walk in has, uh, in truth, how do I want to say it, seeped into our churches as a whole in America. That's why church lacks the power. If we read this word and we see the works that God has done, we see the works and the miracles that Jesus has done, and we understand that when we get saved, that his personhood, his power, the anointing comes in and lives with us, why then or how then can we explain what is going on outside around us? It seemingly goes unchecked. Part of that is it falls right here in the pulpit with a lot of the preachers afraid to preach the, the, the bare truth of the word, to preach both sides of the altar, so to speak, the bad and the good. We don't see that a lot. We don't talk about demonic forces. We don't talk about the anointing. We, don't, we, we come in and we go out in church. And we, like I said, I think I said this last week, we kind of punch our ticket for that week. If we were truly operating under the anointing of Christ, and, and it, 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 when it 
fills you the anointing and you become, and we're going to get to the anointed, it draws you back. So the, the power of the anointing, it, it responds to the power of Christ as he's working. So if we were living under this power as, as we should be, why would we then only go to church as a whole? I'm not just picking on this church as a whole. But average attendance is once, or no, it's three times, I think in three months. It's a very low, about once a month is the average. That's what it takes for a person to call a certain church, place of worship, um, their church. Now, 27 years ago, and I'm sure others can go back a lot farther uh, than that, we used to go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Uh, then we had things during the week. God was at the forefront of our mind. Not so much anymore. We do have a Sunday night here with Pastor Michael. We do have a Wednesday night. But uh, I don't know how many come to Sunday night because I'm usually napping by that time because uh, I'm usually wiped out from this time. And, uh, but Wednesday night, on, on, on a good night, we have maybe 10 people in here. That, that's really not a very good showing when we understand that. And now I am picking on this church a little bit. So I'm meddling now, but that's my prerogative. The, um, when we see all these empty seats, I know it's vacation season. I know there's three or four families gone this morning. But when you look at that empty seat next to you, I wonder... Do we think about the person that might be sitting next to us? A loved one, a neighbor. A son, a daughter, a husband, a wife. Because no matter what they tell you on TV, uh, preachers or other preachers, if you don't know Jesus Christ when you die, you're not going to heaven. Like I said, um, I kind of make it pretty clear, and, but that's just the way it is. And that's when the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes on us, the anointing falls upon us, and we become the anointed, then we should understand that we realize the urgency of what we're talking about here. We are in the last days. The spirit of Antichrist is moving along at, at a rapid pace. Uh, his church, the, the, the bad side, is growing at an alarming rate. I got a thing, and um, I got a statistic uh, that was in the paper. I can't remember. Judy sent it to me yesterday about um, the fact is in 2017, in this state, more people died from opiate overdose than in car accidents and gun violence combined. Now, and I know sometimes people, oh, Pastor, you talk about alcohol and drugs all the time. I do. That's part of the ministry. That's where God has called me to, to work in, has called us this church. It, it's a mission field. It's, a, it, it's just as big of a mission field as if we were over in the Middle East uh, pulling Muslims and, and Islamics out of, out of danger. It's a, it's a mission field. There's people dying. I, it, I, I don't have the number on me. I can't remember, but it, it's nearly... I think it was nearly 4,000 people died in this state alone last year from opiate overdose. 
It's crazy. I get taxes once in a while. A bad batch has hit this town. And um, uh, I seen on the news, this blows my mind, on the news the other day, um, it was, a, I think it was, a, I can't remember where it was, it was on the West Coast, but um, like 75 people overdosed on marijuana. I never heard of that before. But that's how, um, and they, they didn't all die, they had to take them in and they did stuff. I didn't get to see the whole thing. But I say this because I know at times I hear, oh, you know, uh, there's other things to preach about. But look, this is where, this is an example of what the Antichrist is doing. This is how he's killing uh, the next generation right now. Um, uh, along with abortion, along with the other things. When you, when you think about those things, just, just think about how far Roe versus Wade has come. Think about how far drugs have come. We're, we're, we're legalizing marijuana. We are uh, getting hooked into uh, opiates as children in high school and then getting, uh, not being able to, getting a, uh, injuries is how it starts. A lot of people that I talk to starts with medicine, prescriptions, and then they can't get it once they're taken off, so they start buying it. The enemy is, is flooding that. Now, here's the question, getting back to the anointing. Are we flooding the zone with the anointing of Jesus Christ? Is there an anointed person upon us? Or are we an anointed person? I said the anointing. To, we, we talk about this. We talk about the fire falling, setting a fire in our heart. We talk about the Holy Spirit coming. But are we ready as individuals to receive that? I have four, four or five points this morning on what happens when you become the anointed. In this passage this morning, we, we are looking at the, the, um, uh, probably the greatest king, uh, undoubtedly the greatest king that Israel would ever have. King David, most powerful man in the world. God, uh, this man, as I have said uh, before, he, he had the words, this is, what I, this is what I want on my uh, tombstone when I, I pass someday, if I've earned it, is what I told him. Here's a man after God's own heart. David was a man after God's own heart. He started off, now, in here, uh, Saul, Israel had asked for a king. King uh, Saul was the first king that uh, Samuel anointed. Saul stepped out of his anointing, got himself in trouble. And there's a lot of Old Testament here, so I'm giving you the highlights. If you go back into Samuel and uh, read, you'll read about Saul and how he fell. He, uh, he, he walked away from the anointing that, that God put upon him and uh, began to do things in his own way, had a better idea, I guess. And uh, uh, it didn't work out so well because... Um, God pulled the anointing from him and took his kingdom from him. And here uh, David gets anointed. It, we read in the passage that Samuel is mourning for Saul, the loss of Saul, his king that he has anointed. Samuel is, Samuel is an, an anointed prophet of old. He's a very powerful. You can see in this text when uh, the, the, the people that he shows up to ask, uh, do you come in peace? Because they were trembling because the power of God was on this man. They want to know, are you coming in peace, or, or basically have we done something that's causing God to send judgment here? And he said, no, I come in peace. He's coming to look for a king. He invites Jesse um, to uh, uh, come to the sacrifice, and he begins 
to uh, look for Israel's next king among his sons. I think there was eight sons altogether. It says in here when we're looking at, and this is now we're talking about becoming the anointed. Let me explain a, a quick. We've talked about the anointing. We've talked about the anointing of the Antichrist. We, we have talked about how it falls upon people. Uh, the anointing falls in, in churches, falls in services, falls. Uh, I have it often. The anointing just descend in my truck while I'm listening to, to music and sermons and so forth. And you just get filled up. You, you're going down the road and people are looking at you because you're a grown man uh, with uh, work tools and stuff in the back with tears running down your face. Singing, I sing really well in my truck, by the way. Yeah. Or it's just because I got it so loud I can't hear myself sing. That could be it, too. But, but the, the fire falls. And you walk in this anointing all the time. And I'm going to share some stories about being able and what the uh, um, anointing does. But <clears throat> to be filled is to become the anointed. Uh, to, to accept and receive uh, God's uh, commission, so to speak, the anointing. Like I say, we all have the Holy Spirit. I've said this often before, Holy Spirit is everywhere. He's omnipotent and omniscient, just like God. He doesn't always manifest himself. I, I've been in churches where you would thank the Holy Spirit, and I've been around people where you think they've never seen or heard or felt the Holy Spirit. He's there, but they haven't received, they haven't asked. We just sing a song that says, I want more of you, Lord. This is what it takes to become the anointed. And let me tell you something. You don't have to be a pastor to be anointed. I got a good story about that, too, in a minute. I've had a very good week. Right up, it's actually going, I'm glad Judy laid hands because my migraine is gone. So uh, for the time being, I believe it's gone right now. I'm going to stand in it that's gone because then uh, I can eat after church because when I got a migraine, I don't like to eat, but that was kind of concerning me. Anyways, to become the anointed is to receive, to ask God to pour it out upon us. And we, it, it, I, I truly believe in becoming an anointed. Some are in a, what I want to say, a beginner's stage of beginning to understand what the anointing is, to be anointed, to walk in that. I've been doing this, uh, some sort of ministry for the past 27 years, pretty much, and uh, my anointing has grown over the years. I can think about where I was when I first started. I can think about the commitments that I made uh, to God to become uh, his anointed, uh, one of his anointed uh, pastors. I think about back when I started the Alcoholics for Christ, and, and I felt anointed. God's telling me I'm called to the ministry. I'm doing all these things, uh, learning the Word, studying on fire for God. And uh, I start this meeting on Friday nights in the little church that we come from over there. And uh, you're thinking, this is going to be great. God's going to fill this place. We're going to have it's just gonna, we're going to have to expand real quick. And what happens is uh, you go over there, and in the first year. Probably twice a month I sat by myself and prayed that God would send people because nobody knew where I was at or the church or what AC was about. But I felt God speak to anoint, that he had anointed me to do that. So you have to be faithful to that anointing. So I waited and I waited and I prayed. That's what I did. I didn't skip. I didn't give up. And I'm not looking for a pat on the back. I'm, 
you got to understand where I came from to where I'm at. I was not going back to where I was. I'll stay here even if I sit here alone during many Friday nights. But God is faithful. And that ministry grew over the years. I did it for about 18 years before I left. And at one point we had our own service in this church of about 35 people. We had a service. We would speak in here. I would speak. Then we would break up and have tables. And it grew because he had anointed me to do that. And, and I knew that. But he also, the point I'm making here, is he tests you at times with your anointing to see where you're at. Do you really want this? Because Christianity and being anointed isn't always a bearable fun. Doing God's work isn't always easy. It, you see a lot of things that you don't want to see. You deal with a lot of things. And I say this, not that I don't want to, because I, I get asked this all the time. How, how do you do what you do? How do you go to the hospital and watch people die or, or go do, talk to families about do tragic things and, and put up with some of the craziness that, that comes in and out of your office? Nobody here, of course. The, um, the, to, to deal with this stuff. And you couldn't, you'd go nuts if you weren't anointed. I would go nuts in my own strength. I would go nuts. David stands here. We're, we are, um, David's becoming, I'm a little scattered. I'm still working through the, the headaches. My study wasn't very good this morning as my head felt like I was going to blow up. So uh, I'm trying to get back on track. But So if you're out there and you're anointed, just pray a little prayer that I can stay on track. So. That phone is anointed. That's, it's like a little punctuation when I stop talking. I get like a little ding, and then it's like, hey, we should take a note right here. The, uh, David comes along. Or Samuel is here. He's anointing one of Jesse's sons. Seven sons go by. The big, the strong, the handsome, the pretty. Probably some are better off. Usually Old Testament times, uh, the firstborn and uh, it, it is the birthright that receives the birthright. Firstborn, it's a big deal in this culture. Goes through, and uh, nobody turns up to be anointed. Now Samuel knows that somebody's coming out of Jesse's uh, family to be anointed. So he says, where's this other guy? You got one more, right? Someplace? He says, yeah, just David. And, and this was, David is the smallest and the least of this family. That should speak to us. It doesn't matter where you're at. And I'm not talking about size. I'm talking about spiritual size. Uh, God will anoint you many times. Maybe, actually, to be honest with you, maybe most of the time, God likes to use the people that are the least likely to be used because then he brings glory to himself. Because when you look at a person and see where they come from, or what they came from, or where they was, or how, whatever, and you see God doing great things through their life, through their ministry, you, there's no way that anybody can take credit for that on their own. David comes along, he's out tending sheep, he's probably, he's good looking, it says, but I would imagine he wasn't uh, that pleasant smelling, and he probably wasn't the cleanest individual, he wasn't the biggest, he wasn't the strongest, he was the least. God said, this is my man. That's probably what he said. I don't know. I often ask, are you sure? And I know he's sure. 
I, but I want, I, you know, because I'm not. And just double. But David comes along. This is the guy. He anoints David, little David. A fun fact about David is his anointing took place while Saul was still. God had told Saul that his kingdom would be taken from him because Saul screwed up and took stuff plunder that he shouldn't have took and then he lied and he tried to cover it up and God said I'm, I'm done with Saul he's screwed up I'm going to rip his kingdom from his hands David comes along here's this little boy I think he's like 11, 12, 13 and getting anointed to be king of Israel thing that happens is David Saul stays in power for about 17 more years before David takes the throne of Israel. But he was anointed. Don't you go to the front of the line when you get anointed. Uh, sometimes you get anointed and, and they send you out. Uh, God says, all right, you're anointed. I've got plans for you, and you're going to do great things, but I've got to teach you some stuff first. I've got to show you something so you understand where we're going with this thing. David, Saul got very jealous of David. Saul the king tried to kill David on numerous occasions. He would try to uh, pin him to the wall with his spear. He'd be in there playing music. That was, I shouldn't say it's one of my favorites, but if, I'm glad David didn't die because that would have screwed up the rest of the story. But I get to see this guy going nuts and chucking his spear into the wall over that guy. I'm like, I have moments like that. And, um, but I don't have a spear, so I can't throw it at nobody. But the, um, several times he does these things. David, um, let me get point, point one. The anointed person recognizes and understands the spiritual world around them. When you become anointed, you see, Many Christians are trying to be filled with the Spirit but still live in the world. And it's never going to work. Now, when I say that, when you're anointed and you're filled with the Spirit and you're God's chosen, to be anointed is to be set aside, to be consecrated. You become God's chosen person. Now, to be anointed and not live in the world, but live, um, I should have said the first time, live for the world or or in the worldly stuff, God anoints you and he sends you back out to do work in the world. But the anointing is upon you so that you are different. And, it, and um, you, you begin to uh, understand in no, we often hear in scripture where we hear the words, uh, uh, give them ears to, to uh, I was going to say ears to see, but ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit shows the church. If in the church is us people, church has nothing to do with sticks and drywall, but it's people. God shows us, he communicates with us, and we become aware. You see, part of the reason that we're, church is where it's at, country's where it's at, is because the anointing hasn't fell on our churches in a long time. And we're, we are trying to, I say this, we are supposed to be agents of change. If you have the anointing upon you and you're walking for Jesus, 
in serving the Lord, then we should be affecting culture. But what has happened, and I don't have a problem. I'm glad that we stay up to date. I'm glad that we have new music. I like all the music, old, new, whatever, uh, that's Christian. I, I, but, and we do stay up to date. But we are supposed to be out there affecting culture. What has happened, because we're not anointed in our churches and, and not powerful, is culture has come in here and uh, changed the church, changed the attitude of church. That's why we don't attend. That's, that's why we, we, we water things down often. The gospel, when we share it with our friends, we water the gospel down. Why? Because people can't handle it if you talk about Jesus. People, you might freak them out. You, you're taking, once again, then you're taking things in your own hand. When you begin to understand that the, the, the spiritual world around you and, and can recognize what's happening in the spiritual dimension, God opens a whole new door for you. And you realize that... It, you know, sometimes I, I hear about preaching hard. This is where I stand on that. You don't need me to tell you a bunch of happy dust stuff when you come in here and then send you back out and, and, and let you fall prey to the world, to the Antichrist. You need to hear the truth when you're here. The Bible says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says that. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We need truth. Truth sometimes is hard. Truth sometimes causes us to become under conviction. I've actually, I remember a guy when I was at Living Promise, he did, he come for a while, but then he loved it up there, but he said he wanted to feel good when he went home, and God was, um, he would be under conviction because the, the Spirit would speak to him in there, so he went to another church where it wouldn't be quite so, uh, to a larger church basically, where he could hide, and you know, feel good about himself. I want you to feel good when you leave here. I want you to be anointed when you leave here. But I'm not willing to let you sit and just stew in what the world has. I want you to uh, be encouraged. I want to challenge you with the Word. We have work to do as a church, as a, as a body of believers. We don't have time to mess around. So as... As, you, as the anointing falls upon you and it comes in and it resides, the Holy Spirit resides and it's a, um, um, you're walking in this, you begin to understand the spiritual world. You be, you're able to see things. You're able to, to recognize areas where Jesus is at work. That's part of the thing too. We, we work in the wrong areas sometimes because we're not aware of where Jesus is at and working. We, a lot of times in church, especially us holiness churches, um, we get stuck in the way that it used to be. We think Jesus is working in the same spot he was 100 years ago. And he, he may be, but it may be looking a much different way than what it looked like 100 years ago. In Mark chapter 2, this is Jesus whom uh, we know in, in uh, Jesus will be speaking here in a minute. We know in uh, Isaiah that... Uh, the claim is that Jesus, that Isaiah makes, was that he was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. Jesus is, he's not only the anointing, he is the anointed, the most anointed, the most high priest. Nobody's ever been, uh, and you think, well, yeah, he's part God and part man, all God. But, well, his human self, while here on earth, he was a human being perfect and sinless, 
but he was still a human being. He struggled just like we did. We see, or do, we see that in the garden where he was praying. When he's asking if the cup could uh, be taken from him. We see that when he weeps over Jerusalem because they wouldn't uh, uh, repent and turn back towards him. We see that at times where, um, I believe when he turned over the tables that, uh, that was in his humanness, that was righteous anger. He realizes and he knows all of the stuff, but, but he is fully human and he's fully anointed. It says a few days later, this is Mark chapter 2, when Jesus again entered uh, Capernaum, the people had heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Now think about, just think, let me read the story, I get ahead of myself. Since they could not get to him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered uh, the mat that the man was lying on. And Jesus saw their faith and he said to, you, to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the teachers, now this is where he knows what's going on, and this is Jesus, of course, so he's kind of, He's like the straight-A student. He's kind of be like my brother right underneath me compared to me, the 4.0 guy and then me, and then, uh, or 4.0 and then me. The, uh, I just needed to be eligible to play sports. So immediately, oh, it says, now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God? Here's immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. Not just in their minds, but in their hearts. They were, they were black in their heart. Not just wrong thinking, but in their spiritual uh, makeup. Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to a paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take your mat and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go. And then he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Jesus is aware, always aware, of his spiritual surroundings. Jesus knew when the woman at the well Imagine he's pressing through, or not the, the woman at the well, but uh, the woman with the issue of blood. She's pressing through the crowd. She's been bleeding for, for 12 years. And she, she knew her, in her faith, she, she probably wanted to get up there and talk to Jesus, have him lay hands. Who wouldn't? But she couldn't get to him because of the crowd. Yet he reached, she reached out, touches the hem, the very hem of his garment. Now, I've heard it said, this is just a fun fact here, but I've heard it uh, uh, in commentaries and read it that I don't have my prayer uh, shawl out. I got a prayer shawl somewhere around it. But Jesus was probably wearing his prayer shawl. And she probably reached out and, and touched the uh, tassel of his uh, prayer shawl. And virtue, it says, went out from him. And he recognized right away that this woman had been there and he realized what was going on. And he, the virtue went, she was healed. He, he, he was always aware of his spiritual because he and the Father were one. 
And we, we often, we're aware of our spiritual surroundings in here on Sunday, but the mission field is out there on Monday through Saturday. Are we in a place, are we aware of what the Spirit is trying to do, where we are at? The, uh, I'll share a story. Um, I mean, Kip knows this. He's been working. Uh, I did my deal where I take a little side work in the summer and, and hired uh, or do with my kids, my, my son. And I, I'm very optimistic. I always think every year this will, it'll be different this year. We won't fight and argue and all of that stuff. And uh, I'm optimistic we made it farther before we got into the fight. At least. But uh, and I'm always mild-mannered, by the way. So it couldn't have been me. Um, however, he gets mad usually at me towards the end of summer and takes off, and I'm left with a, a job to finish. This is a pretty uh, big job to be left. So fortunately, Kip was waiting to start another job, so I was able to uh, bring him with me, and we're finishing this up um, down at the... I only do the stuff down at the farm those, for those folks that uh, have, uh, I've always done. Anyways... We were in there, I think last week, Julian and Roger. This is why I tell you this. Julian would never set foot in a church right now. He hates God and he thinks God is alive. And he thinks man wrote the Bible. Don't worry, I straightened it all out. So, the... Uh, he thinks all, but he's, he's a 28-year-old man, lives in the world, is a generous, I call him a kid because I got kids older than him, funny guy. We start, this is John Corrine, this is where it started. I had my Michigan hat on. And he began to start into me about, why don't you wear scarlet and gray? I said, we have people like that in our church. We're trying to help them. We make them sit in the back corner, and we don't, you know. It opened the door. Just conversation. I don't know how we got as far down the road as we did. His, he's been around, and Roger's the older guy that's been with him 20 years. They work together. And uh, Julian was taken from his mother when he was young she abused him. Julian's had a rough life. He's a little, he's like a heavy set uh, Kip. He's not real tall. I'm not, the uh, Kip's, I love having Kip because he can climb, go everywhere. The, uh, I don't have to, so that's all good. And uh, Julian, he starts telling me some of these things that have gone on in his life and how his family still uh, uh, takes advantage. And we begin to talk about uh, God being real or not real. And, and uh, I share my testimony with him and, and tell him what God has done. And um, uh, um, it just progressed throughout the week, um, last week. Yeah, I actually put uh, uh, church cards in both their hands because... Uh, um, well, Roger, the other guy there, the older guy, he's 30-something, 6, 8, something like that. 
he, he works with Julian. And now Roger's got this tag team partner for Julia, which, Julian, which is me. And uh, I would be telling him something, and he'd be like, yeah, no, listen to him, because he's a pastor, and he knows what he's talking about. And I would say, Roger, what else do I got that we need to work on? And Julian was fine with all of this stuff, but we were able to share Christ with him. He said when he left, he said, I, I gave him a card, I gave him each card, and I always tell him, I say, you, anything you want, call me. Call me 24-7. If you need me to come to you, I'll come to you. If you need me just to pray with you, I'll pray with you. If you need me to help you find a church, whatever you want, call me and I will answer. And if it's an emergency, I tell everybody, this, call twice in a row, and then I realize it's an emergency, and I'll, I'll, I'll come and, and do whatever you ask me to do. Julian, they, they left, and uh, um, I tell you, the Spirit of God in that building, just opening doors and allowing, telling him that, you know, uh, being able, God gives me the answers as I need them, uh, and, and he also allows me to be able to explain it in a way people can understand, and um, Julian said, I won't be surprised someday if Julian walks into this church, all because he showed up. I mean, he lives... He lives down uh, Farmington Hill, West Bloomfield, somewhere down there. Um, but I told him, I said, if you want to go to church, uh, I got associate pastors. They can preach. I'll come go to church with you if you want to do that. Aware of your spiritual around, surroundings. Now, I could have just... It's colorful on the construction job site. It's not all... I actually kind of like that sometimes because I wait for a while and I let them go on and on and then I tell them, I say, what do you do? Well, I'm, I'm a full-time minister. I just do a little side work. They look at me like that and they say, I'm like, it's cool. I, don't, I, I can handle it. So, but just to just change the whole dynamics of everything. Second point, and I will testify, I, would, I told God I'd be glad today if I could make it to 11.30 without throwing up or my head exploding. And uh, we made it. So, and my head's not exploding yet. The anointed person, point two, the anointed person has a very powerful prayer and praise lifestyle or life. Not just a powerful prayer life, but to, to, to increase, God will answer your prayers. If we're praying things in his will, things that, and I believe God wants to bestow good things upon us as well. He blesses us so that we can be a blessing. I don't think he's going to, uh, I wouldn't go play the lotto and say, Lord, you know, I need the numbers here for the Super Bowl or whatever it is. But uh, that's, he does things for us and takes care of us I can tell you when Bonnie and I got our, our stuff ducks in a row and begin to tithe, begin to do the things that we do, we, we don't make a ton of money, but we don't go hungry, obviously, and all our bills are paid, and God takes care of us. We trust that our children will be in heaven someday. Someday. 
one more summer of working with him, TJ, he might go quicker than he thinks. So, huh? Oh, I forgive him right in the middle of the fight, but it still doesn't mean I don't want to knock mats on his head. So, very powerful prayer and praise life. We get, God moves mountains in prayer. Julian says, I think that Old Testament, the Bible, that's a lot of made-up stories. And I said, oh, you do, huh? And I said, well, let me give you a, a few facts to deal with. And uh, I said, if you go on, one of my favorite ones, because everybody knows about the parting of the Red Sea. Noah leading the Israelites across the Red Sea. God turning the Egyptians into fish food. And I, if you go online, it's been proven and found that there's a, a string of Egyptian artifacts laying on the bottom of the Red Sea floor, actually with the emblem of the uh, pharaoh that was in power at the time this would have happened by biblical, and there's not one single Israelite fact, or whatever you call them, artifacts that they have found. So now you get, well, how, you know, I said, when you see that and you understand some of those things, he, he, they don't have a, didn't have an answer for that one. I said, there's other things that you can prove. Actually, scientifically, we walk in faith. I believe what it says in the Word, wherever it went. I believe that God says, I, I've been told, well, he didn't mean move a mountain literally. I believe he meant move a mountain literally. I think spiritually, the best application is what? The mountain of stuff that we bring sin, shame, guilt to God, and we begin to, to seek his faith. I believe in a spiritual aspect, God has moved mountains of spiritual garbage in my life uh, over the years, especially in the younger years. But because I asked him to do that, Noah's sea parted because he was walking with God. Well, we, 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 I don't know as we... In some translation, Noah, or not Noah, Moses, I'm sorry, wrong guy. The, uh, Moses uh, would say, I pray thee, Lord, if you read the Old uh, Testament or, or Old King James stuff. But a lot of times in our um, newer translation, it appears as though he's just speaking with God face to face. Uh, Moses is, I mean, he's seeing the, the, the pillar of fire by night, the cloud by day. He speaks to God in, in the tabernacle. That speaking to God is prayer. That's exactly what it is. It's prayer. You don't have to stand up here uh, speaking in King James and, and pray for 20 minutes. Um, most pastors can pray for, uh, you know, we know when to, uh, if we get called on in front of our colleagues, we, we, we like to flower it up so we sound more spiritual. But the, um, I'm just picking. But you can, it doesn't matter. Some of the, the greatest prayers are God help me. God, save me. God, this or that. The, the, and your prayer life grows into that, but you, you, it doesn't grow unless you practice prayer. And here's the next thing. If you want to, how many watch your prayers answered? Be careful with that one, but because um, you might get what you wanted and it might not be what you really wanted. But how would you like to get more of your prayers answered? Praise God for the things he does. 
God says, the Bible says that God inhabits, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Praise is just as powerful. The anointing, the anointing, when we were singing that set of fire song, I don't know about you guys, I called Mitchell, I heard that in the, uh, I've heard it, I know it, but it just, God gave it to me this weekend while I was listening, working, and I said, that goes with what we're talking about, I need you to do this, and uh, we'll probably sing it again, because I like it so much, we'll sing it uh, for closing today, because I can do that, and the, uh, well, I can't, Mitchell can, but I can request it, but when you think about that praising God, if you, you ask, and then you give God praise, some of us sometimes, I used to be a little, uh, with my testimony early on, what happened, I wasn't always really, I thought people are going to think I'm crazy if they tell them God took the wine of alcohol and drugs, and that I floated right up off the floor and settled back down and never touched alcohol. And now you know I'm crazy, so I don't care what you think no more. And I'll tell you, I see God do miraculous, supernatural things. I have seen him battle the forces of evil. I have talked to forces of evil in people when they're being tormented and, and possessed. I have uh, did this, the spiritual work of, of, of whatever you want to say. Uh, I don't like to use the word exercising demons because that doesn't sound but But I prayed and bound and people, their demons are still at work. It still says that in the Bible. They didn't tear those pages out. And I've spoke to them, and I've cast them out in Jesus' name. That's powerful prayer life. And I've seen people get set free from that stuff because of a prayer life. Not because it's powerful, but then I praise God. You've got to praise Him when you're done, because that's when, that's when the fire begins to fall. That's when things, that's when it gets good, is when... You see, one thing that a lot of churches could really use some schooling in is how to worship God. We know how to show up. We know how to stand and sing and do that. But we, and, and I know not everybody's demonstrative and, and wants their hands raised. Or I seen a, a, a young gal dancing a little bit this morning, and I'm like, hey, we might be catching on here. The, uh, and uh, I do mine in the back because I have no rhythm. So uh, I I, if you try to follow me, you'd be all messed up. And I see that. And, but we're worshiping God. Aren't you glad to be in this place today? Aren't you glad to, to, to uh, have a God who cares for you and your family, that you're in one piece? Aren't you glad that God has answered your last prayer? Aren't you glad that you can trust him with your next prayer? Aren't you glad that, that you can trust, like I often say, that, I, that no matter what, the Bible says that because I've trained up my child children in the way that they should go when they're old. I praise him for that because I see that already. When they are old, they will return to it. And you've got to praise God for that. You've got to appreciate what he's doing. When you praise him, when we worship and the music comes and the spirit overflows, that's what keeps people coming back. Not this, maybe this a little bit, but the worship is where it all starts. When we come in and we just lose our, our inhibitions and are able to just Get in the presence of God. I wonder sometimes how we're going to react. Some of us, uh, uh, and I know some of us are much more sophisticated than others. Most of you are more sophisticated than me. But how are we going to act when we walk through the gates of heaven? Why can we cheer like a, a, a crazy banshee 
at a football game or a baseball game or a basketball game or at a kid's game. Why, why, why do we stand up in the bleachers and throw pop and, and popcorn and uh, all stuff if you're out with my uh, unsaved friends, beer and whatever, peanuts, and uh, the all over. But we come in here and we, we, we have to be behave because we're in church. Isn't going to heaven a lot better than a touchdown? Unless it's a victory over Ohio State, then it's right up there. But don't worry, I had to hear all nine out of the last ten years, Pastor. I said, be careful, I'll put a curse on you, Julian. So, But why, why is that so hard? That's a part of the anointing. It's not buildings, it's the anointing that draws Christ. And they need, draws people to Christ. And anointed people draw people to church because they see you and they say, man, there's something different about this cat. What am I going to, you know, he's different. That's what brought me. It wasn't some uh, fantastic revival service that I just happened to be in and God come down and plugged me up. I walked with Tom and Joe for a year and a half. I seen that they were different. I seen that they had God in their life. It's kind of polar opposites. After about a year and a half, I said, I told Joe, I said, I want to go to church. And I've explained this all to you guys before. The red mouse, the white mouse, I had no idea what was happening. I knew I was, now I know that I'm being drawn by the Holy Spirit. And I said, I want to go to church on a Wednesday night. And he's like, oh, you better wait till Sunday because Wednesday night is this little prayer group with, uh, it's not really little old ladies anymore. We got some Tims there, but he's a, no, <laughs> but it's filled. We have times filled. And I said, I'll go to church. And that night, and I got saved before I left, but you've got to, to uh, praise God and, and be able to uh, see that when you're anointed and people see that in you, they desire not necessarily what you have, but what you become, that spirit of peace, that spirit of love and joy and grace. When you're walking in the anointing of Christ, that is contagious. When we get several people walking in that anointing in a church, that's when the praise happens and the worship happens. And when you walk through the gates of heaven, someday, I don't, I like that song, I can only imagine, I wonder what I will do. Will I just fall down? Will I stand up and shout? Will I run? I'm going to run because my knees will be fixed. So when we get through this battle, this is a battle here. I don't need untrained soldiers. I need anointed people to be in this with me. It's a battle for the very lives of people in this community. And not all drug addicts, and that I understand that part. Any person, your neighbor. Maybe there's a, a widower, a widower that is, is hurting. It's, they got to go do something. I don't know, but it's not too many Ohio State jokes. It'd be kind of funny if it was. That they gotta, you know, but no. it, 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 what, people need that. I have to move along. Very powerful and praise, prayer and praise life. The anointed person replaces fear with faith. 
Fear is the greatest. Fear is the greatest hindrance to church growth. There probably is. What will they think? What would they say if I did ask them to come? I don't want to get in their business. Most people want you in their business, not nosy in your business. That's called gossiping and backbiting. Notice, getting in their business, is, is there something I can do? Do you need somebody to talk to? Can I pray for you? I tell people, all the time, I don't need to know if you don't want to tell me. I'll just pray for you. They usually they tell you, but... fear. The Bible tells us in, in John that uh, perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. That perfect love is the love of Christ coming into your heart. When he becomes number one, and this is a gauge for you, if Jesus is number one in your heart, that fear of witnessing or sharing or learning or speaking or teaching or whatever, just saying, God, what do you want me to do? We're afraid that, oh, if I, if I ask him, if I surrender myself, he'll send me to Africa or Israel. He might, but if he does, it's because it's where you're supposed to be. But we remove that fear with, I love nothing more than God in my life. His perfect, matchless, timeless, endless Love casts out all fear. Julian the other day says that money, he needs more money. That'll get me happiness. This is where we started. And we went back and forth. Well, happiness, you know, money does get you. I said, hey, I like money. I like things. I like buying. I like eating. I like wearing clothes. All those things, yes. I, money's... Money's not a bad thing. Jesus never says that money's a bad thing. He says the love of money is the root of all evil. Money's not a bad thing. But I told him, I said, you know what, Julian, I have never been to a funeral or did a funeral or officiated one where people were saying, I wish mom or dad or Johnny or Jimmy or Aunt Susie would have made a little more money or worked a little harder so I could have a little better inheritance. Never heard that, not once. Only thing I've ever heard people want is more time. Money's not the answer. Money won't buy happiness. Money usually, a lot of money usually has a tendency to breed greed, and we want more and more money. You guys can come forward, I'm just about done. Think about fear and faith. I like the story in Acts chapter 16, and we, we know about Paul and Silas. It's a, it's a very, common, very common story in the Bible, or well-known story in the Bible in the New Testament. Paul and Silas have delivered this girl who uh, um, has the ability to uh, foretell the future, and they're making a bunch of money off this, and, and she's going around and she's giving Paul and Silas a hard time while they're trying to minister in town. Finally, Paul gets fed up with it, basically, and casts this evil spirit out of her, 
and then the money, the money, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, money maker is gone out of this girl. Now she's just a girl. She's not uh, telling all these things. Of course, uh, the meal ticket there, uh, the people that who she was the meal ticket for get pretty upset. Paul, they beat him up, throw Paul and Silas into the jail. We come to the point where uh, at midnight, and it wasn't just, they're told, they're told to be uh, guarded, told, told the guards to guard them very carefully, put them in the inner dungeon, inner sanctum of the jail. They do that. Beaten, the jail, if you can imagine, probably like, it's probably a jail, it's probably more like a um, town waste super uh, system, what do you want to call it? Sewage system. They're in there praising God, singing hymns and praying to God. They actually are praising God that God found them worthy enough to be beaten up like this and, and set this girl free. They're not in there whining, crying, carrying on. We know what happens later, a few moments later, as they're singing, the jail is shaken. The, the chains fall off of Paul and Silas, and they walk out. Uh, the, the jailers want to kill themselves because they're worried about, uh, you know, they're going to get in trouble with the higher-ups and stuff. Paul tells them not to kill themselves. We go to the next day, and uh, uh, they're told, all right, we realize you guys are Roman citizens. We, we screwed up, and... Uh, uh, we're, we're sorry, we'd like you to leave town quietly and go. And if you're familiar, this is one of my favorite parts of the story. Paul says, we're not going quietly. We're Roman citizens. We want you to come down here and lead us out. You send the big boys down here that let this happen to us, and you lead us out of town. Not so Paul could have uh, his own prideful things. They were showing the power of God triumphing over evil. They were showing the fact that you may be evil, you may think you're all that, but God's got my back. God is why we're walking out of here, and you need to, to see this. Last point. The anointed person lives with the eternity as the forefront of their lives. I don't care what age you are, I don't care how old your children are. I don't, whatever. Where you're at, there's nothing more important than whether or not you make a decision for Christ in your life. This little span of time we have here is nothing compared to the idea of eternity and where we will spend either good or bad, heaven or hell. This is um, how you're living your life. Are you living your life? Do you, let me ask you this. Does your life affect eternity? When I say that, people around you, people in your family, your life, are you working for eternity? Are you just trying to get by and get through this life? Yes, I know we're struggling at times through this life, and I know we got prayer, we got prayer. But here's the thing. When we get this worked out in our head, eternity should be on the tip of our tongues. We as Christians should be trying to make all, at all times an eternal difference in people's lives. 
That's why we're born again. That's why we're empowered with the Holy Spirit. That's why we come to church and learn. It, some may get to speak to hundreds, thousands of people. Some of you may speak to two or three in your lifetime. doesn't make one more important than the other. God's got it planned out. He knows he's got a perfect plan, the perfect will for our lives. He knows who you're supposed to be, the three or four or five. I think it should always be more than that, but I'm just uh, being... He, he knows he's got people... I used to struggle with that because at times I would, I've had him say, go pray with that person. In my younger years, I'd be like, man, that's kind of awkward in the middle of a store or whatever. It's not awkward no more. I'm okay with it now. Sorry about that. The, um, final story. I got a call this week from a gal named Alicia from my Living Promise when I was at time at Living Promise. Wanted to know if I could uh, come up to the hospital. I was in South Lyon at the time, and I said, uh, yeah, or she says, do you still, do you make hospital visits faster? Still make hospital? I said, yeah. Um, okay. I said, why, what's going on? They had, uh, she had two kids. She was a single mom getting divorced. Um, when we were up there, Victoria and Luke, I used to watch Luke play football for the Cryo um, Mustangs or whatever they are. Now I can't remember. Uh, poor Luke, they weren't very good. They hadn't won a game in three years, I don't think. But yeah, it would, we were there to support good kids. She says, um, my ex-father-in-law, Victoria and Luke's grandpa, is in the hospital. They've, they've cut him open to work on some cancer a couple weeks ago. And it mastized or whatever it is, and it's through his whole body. They, he, they're not giving him very long. She said, could you come up and pray with him? And I said, absolutely, I'll be up there. Um, I said, how, is he coherent or what? Can you want me right now? Can I come a little later in the afternoon? When do you want me to be there? When are you guys going to be there? Um, she said, well, we'll be up there this afternoon. If you can come up this afternoon or evening, be fine. I said, okay. And I said, well, all right, Alicia, before I go, and, and if you know this woman, she reminds me of a rabbit. She just, she's so timid and uh, just, and what's the word? Timid, mild, she, I mean, I think you could yell boo at her and she'd probably pass out. It's how, uh, you, you, this, I said, okay, and I prayed with her and, uh, she thanked me, and, and I, I said, I'll be up there as quick as I can. I get up there, and she apologized. Pastor, um, I, I'm sorry. I, I, we're glad you're here, and I talked to the family, and I've met her ex-husband. He's there, and he's bigger than I am, and a uh, big old dude. And uh, she says, uh, he kind of started going in and out. She said, um, I, I didn't know if I could wait or not for you, or should wait. And she said, so... Uh, I prayed with him, and he received Christ. Her ex-father-in-law didn't show back up in their lives until their kids were born, grandkids, his grandkids. He rode with the hell's angels. They said he would pop in and out. They had grandkids. 
He's got the tattoo. He was, I was seeing the tattoo and stuff. I don't know the whole story, but he left. And you, you know Hell's Angels were not a good bike club to be in. Um, come back because of his grandkids. Straightened up his life as best as he could. Because Dean and Alicia, when they were married, said, you can't be around if, unless I can't have my kids. Here's this lady, scared of her own channel most of the time, leading an ex-Hells Angels biker into the kingdom of heaven. Did apologizing. I said, I don't need all of them. That's exactly what you should have done. You did. And she said, I don't know if I said it right. I said, you did. You said it right. The anointing was upon her. Let's stand. our head think about the words of that song for a moment think about where you're at with Christ in your walk think about those around you how much they would benefit if you called for the anointing if you actually prayed the prayer I want more of you God and it actually happened which it can and will if you do and you're sincere about it he will bring it to you and, and he won't give you more than what you can handle he will give you just what he needs to give you to, to make your life I, think about those people again that are around you and that anointing wouldn't you like to see fruit from your walk wouldn't you like to have power over the enemy that you could rebuke him in your family that you could have the anointing of God upon you. Yes, it, it's a spiritual warfare. When you're anointed the devil, he, you're a bullseye for the devil to come after you because he wants to undo what God is doing. But the Bible tells me, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I read the back of the book and it says that we win. We may battle through this life, but we win in the end. And I want to know how many people this morning, God wants to know, not me, but God wants to know, how many people do you want victorious on your team when you walk through the doors of heaven? Let his perfect love cast out your fear of what God might do with you if you surrendered your life completely to him. Lord, if there's one in here that may not know you as your Lord and save as their Lord and Savior. Maybe there's one or more in here that says, Pastor, I would love to have the power that you're talking about this morning. That anointing, that spiritual awareness, that that effective prayer and praise life. I want to learn how to worship God in his holiness and his righteousness and his love and his grace and power and truth. this prayer with me. I want to tell you, if somebody wants to be anointed and prayed over, 
as I close this service, our altars are open. Our altars are always open. They're open right now. If you would say, yes, I want more of God in my life and upon me, I would like you to come down here, kneel at this altar, and allow me to anoint your head with oil and pray over you. Maybe you're walking in that and you're, you're still praying your way through it. I want you to pray diligently this week about that. Father, there's one in here that needs to pray this prayer. Just allow them to pray. Say, Lord Jesus, I, I know I've sinned and I've fallen short of your glory. I ask that you would forgive my sins, that you would come into my heart and dwell in me with the power of your Holy Spirit. I will turn, I will repent, go from my ways and walk your path. If you prayed that prayer, I believe you just got born again. We believe you're a Christian. And if there's one here that's been walking kind of a stale, kind of a unexciting Christian existence. And you say, Pastor, I want some of that fire. I want doors to open like Julian opened. So you can share the message of Christ. I want those doors to open in my office or the store I work at or the factory I work at or my next family gathering or where. Pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I love you and I thank you for forgiving my sin, filling me with the power of your Holy Spirit, allowing me to walk in your grace. But I want more of you. Father, I want you to come in and pour over me in an anointing. And I want you to come in. I want you to cast out through your perfect love, cast out that fear that the person next to me or the person at my work might think I'm a Jesus freak or whatever. I want to be a Jesus freak. I want to be anointed. I want to be powerful. I want to make an eternal difference. I want to love, live and love with eternity in mind. I want to know that as I've walked with you and I'm doing your will, that I am equipped with every tool that I can through the power of the anointing, through the washing of the word, through the uh, power of worship. I want to be equipped with those things so I can be an effective, blood-bought, heaven-bound Christian ambassador for the kingdom of God to all those that come around me. Fill me, Lord. Anoint me with the power of your Holy Spirit. Maybe you sit on the edge this morning. You don't know. Pray this prayer this week. Make it clear, Lord. Make it clear. Father, I thank you and praise you for this day. I thank you for taking that setting so I can preach this morning. I thank you for all those that are here. I pray for traveling mercies for those that are coming and going on their final vacation. Father, have your hand upon us. Bless us for the remainder of this day, I pray in Jesus' name.
all God's people good. Amen. You're dismissed. Just kind of quietly slip out. If you want prayer, come up here. We will pray over you.